This is Nagin Jasmine. Welcome to Just Warm Spaces, a micropod about art, creativity, and life. Today I'm sitting with a very special guest. Her name is Maya. <laughs> Maya June Mansour is an artist based in Los Angeles, California. Her work explores lines of inquiry surrounding incarceration, devotion, and beauty. She works using the mediums of photography, natural dyes, and the written word. In January, Maya completed a year-long residential fellowship at the Abrahamic House, an incubator for social change, and she's currently an apprentice at LA Woodshop and serving on the board of the Black Image Center with a collective of young Black photographers in LA who aim to create more pathways for Black youth to see ourselves slash themselves in the arts. Hey, Maya. Hi. Welcome to Just Warm Spaces. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for being here. How are you today? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I got the chance to do all the things that ideally I would do before my day starts. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. What does your day look like in the beginning? Yeah. Um, This morning I woke up and then... I cleaned nice. <laughs> so hard. I cleaned my entire apartment. Um, I just moved a couple of months ago and it's still feeling really new and I still have a lot of more things than I want that don't have places. And so I hung up two paintings and nice. I just like got rid of a bunch of stuff and recycled a bunch of stuff. And then um, my first thought when I woke up is that I really wanted to do yoga and meditate and journal, which is kind of like my big three, but um, I physically couldn't do it until I cleaned my house. So I did that, um, and then I was able to do some really nice stretches, and then I said my prayers, and I meditated, and then I went into some really sweet journaling. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm, well, I can't do some things. Like, I can't sleep before my apartment's clean. I can't really leave the house until my dishes are all done, you know? I just think cleanliness is next to godliness. Like, that's the quote I always think about. Yeah. And I like to be clean, and it makes my head feel more clear. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that cleanliness is just as spiritual as it is material, and... Yeah, there's just some things that I feel uncomfortable doing unless I'm in, like, a clean room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I started off my day is, like, with a cleanse. Yeah. Just clean spaces. Just clean spaces. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Cool. Nice. So what else have you been interested in lately? Um, Well, this week it was actually Passover. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jewish holiday of Passover, but it's um, a time of the year that's um, it normally falls right after Nowruz, and a lot of the central themes of Passover revolve around freedom mm-hmm. and independence, um, and it's a time when Jewish people kind of look at their history of exile, and um, the main question of a Passover seder is what is freedom, and I think it's such a beautiful opportunity to reflect in community um, on a regular basis about this characteristic that our society every day is struggling with defining. Um, And I think it's just such a beautiful practice to have every year is to reflect in community specifically on freedom. So this week I've been thinking a lot about freedom and what that means to me, financial freedom, mental freedom, all these different ways that I can be free, ways that I am not allowing myself to be free. So yeah, that's what's been on my mind. I also, the week of Passover this week, I started a new job. So definitely, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Definitely been thinking about freedom as it relates to like me starting a new nine to five and feeling definitely, there's a part of me that feels like a sense of my freedom has been lost, but at the same time also gaining so much more freedom with the structure that I've just gained and those benefits, man. 401k, healthcare. (laughs) So consistency, a consistent check. Exactly. What? 
it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's been on my mind lately. Yeah. 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 I think about freedom a lot too. There, We just don't let ourselves be free. We're always our own worst enemies. Totally. We're like, I don't know, so much from from a young age thinking we can't do certain things can't express ourselves fully because what will people think Mm -hmm. and um i was on tiktok the other day and there's this um girl on there her name's sahar and she has a tiktok shout out to you sahar (laughs) um but she was talking about the word sangin which means like it's the word people use to describe how women should be in Afghan culture. Like, mm. you should be sangin. You should be elegant, classy, you know, all of all of those things. Yeah. Um, and then she was breaking down the word, and sang actually means stone. Mm. It means, like, rock. Wow. And um, the fact that, you know, they want... People want women to be, like, a stone, just sit there quiet I mean that's what stones do they don't really move they don't really do anything and Mm. um yeah I've been thinking about that a lot and like maybe I don't want to be a sangeen (laughs) right like my mom's always been like be a sangeen girl but Mm. I don't know if I want to be I don't want to be a stone yeah (laughs) you know wow that's so deep I feel like learning the etymology of words it's just like it's crazy there's so much that we just say and on the surface it's we don't think twice about it mm-hmm. but then we just go literally one one layer deeper yeah and it just becomes so problematic or something that you would never want to perpetuate or bring upon yourself or someone else yeah that's crazy so many meanings and yeah. in, in the things that we're saying they they do hold so much weight yeah literally wait (laughs) (laughs) so Um, much sanguine (laughs) i know (laughs) but that is cool though congrats on your nine to five thank you um i also started a nine to five pretty recently i haven't really told anyone about it because i have my own thoughts um as someone who's been a freelancer since I was like 18 or 19 yeah to have a nine to five now has been so weird and so life-changing like really really life-altering yeah um but we were talking about this earlier just it doesn't mean that this is it's gonna be like this forever and there is so much that I'm like learning from this role that I have right now and I'm so grateful to even have gotten a job during the pandemic yeah um but yeah I mean freelancing even in a pandemic is a little impossible it felt it felt a hundred times harder yeah and I don't know I think that artists such as us like we deserve that comfort for a while we deserve to like lay low and catch our breath and see what it is that we want to do next and also like have jobs in the meantime that fill our soul into some capacity so yeah yeah I totally feel that way and I think like because I've also been freelancing since I was really young like for the last 10 years and like I I think I was listening to call your girlfriend this podcast Mm -hmm. and I this was maybe three or four years ago and I was modeling full-time and I was just so frustrated And um, I wasn't getting really enough work to sustain myself, but I didn't really feel like I had other options to make money. And um, I kind of was going on this like financial deep dive and just really asking the universe what I could do to change my situation. And I stumbled upon this Call Your Girlfriend episode and I... I got so much out of it, but one thing that really stuck was one of the hosts was talking about being a boss and how as a freelancer, you are your own boss, but if you've only ever freelanced, you've only experienced yourself as a boss, but when you work for someone else, you actually get to learn from other people's um, bossing styles, I guess, for lack of a better word. And you get to learn new techniques of like how to manage 
other people or in the case of a freelancer how to manage yourself Mm -hmm. and I think that there's so much that can be learned from a boss that you really didn't vibe with or a boss that you really looked up to and that you really wanted to please or you wanted to do good work for them Mm -hmm. um and I think that that really stuck with me because I felt like I wasn't being a good boss to myself and that was a moment when I realized that maybe I needed to take a step back from freelancing and start working for someone else in order to pick up some tools as to how to better manage my own business working under someone that has more experience managing mm-hmm. a business yeah 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 and thinking about it in more of a strategic educational way um, and even if I ended up with a boss that I really didn't resonate with or something like that still being able to look at it as a learning experience and take something from it totally yeah, yeah. It's, it's all a learning experience I mean I I think that I immediately felt like I was losing a part of myself when I accepted this job I felt like kind of ashamed in a way mm. I was like can I even call myself an artist anymore <laughs> I'm no longer struggling I'm no longer like worrying about how I'm gonna pay my rent like it's like it's coming in um I mean knock knock on wood um <laughs> knock on your heater knock on yeah <laughs> we have a very DIY setup right now but it's really cute um but it has it's given me a lot of freedom it's given me a lot of freedom to do the creative stuff when I have the free time and to not be focusing on projects that just like are draining my soul and I get to say no to things now and I pick up what I want to and just focus on that and I mean it's it's been a really good transition and um, I think that there is a lot of like positive and great things to learn from and to grow from this so yeah and I love what you said at the beginning about kind of feeling like you'd lost a part of yourself and like just really honoring that grief because Mm -hmm. like it is true in a way like you lost a part of yourself in the process but you're able to learn so much from the transition and I feel like you're handling it really gracefully (laughs) yeah grieving I mean what a topic (laughs) yeah just grieving spaces just (laughs) grieving spaces that's a whole podcast on its own (laughs) that's so funny I mean I feel like you know with grief there's just like there is so much freedom in that too right like letting something go but also not in a way of like forcing it off of you but like slowly detaching yourself from it crying about it mourning it Mm -hmm. um it is really healing and I feel like I've been doing that a lot lately just like crying a lot letting a lot of things go and um it it makes me feel more liberated that's for sure yeah I feel like that release is so important and I um I feel like that's something that I've been trying to do with my meditation Mm -hmm. um and thinking a lot about my inner child or just my experiences in my childhood and um as I deepen more into my meditation practice I've definitely had moments where I'll be reflecting on an emotion that's coming up and then I'll just see a number Mm. and it's like almost always the age that I was when like a trauma happened or a trigger happened or just something that happened that needs some TLC is Mm. coming up Mm -hmm. and what I've been doing a lot lately for me it's been like the age of 17 like that was a really hard time for me and I've just been meditating and sending my 17 year old self so much love and like I think a lot about um because I work (laughs) I work at a physical therapist's office now I think a lot about like massaging our muscles and how um like if you fall and you hurt your hip like you have to kind of massage the ache out of it Mm -hmm. and I've been thinking a lot about like massaging the emotional tension out of my childhood and out of these past experiences that I've had that still like aren't sitting well with me yeah and in order to kind of ease 
ease the way that they're sitting on my heart or Mm -hmm. um, how they're coming up in my head just like really working through those things with so much love and it's really nuts I think that particularly with my like 17 year old meditations I have been thinking about that age probably for the last two and a half months now Mm -hmm. and working really kind of diligently on what happened when I was 17 and um it's been so nuts because maybe like two or three weeks after I started all of these songs that I would listen to when I was 17 started kind of like bubbling up from my subconscious wow and it's songs that I literally haven't thought about since that time like they just were so relegated to that time of my life yeah that I have never come back to and then I would just be randomly on a drive and I would get a song stuck in my head and just get like overflown with deja vu and I would just immediately connect the dots and think like oh my gosh like I remember sitting in our living room like listening to this song Mm. when I was 17 or driving in my car or seeing this person in concert and it got to a point where like maybe twice a day or to every day once a day I was just like it was almost like my subconscious was making me this playlist for my 17 year old self and I obviously wrote it all down and I was journaling about it and I just wrote um I just wrote a little bit about what I thought of when I heard each song maybe if it was like a vision or a memory or just an instance that I associated with the song just so I could kind of keep a log of what's been coming up and how it's making me feel now and how it made me feel then and it's really nuts how I decided to show up for myself at that age in a way where I definitely couldn't in the time when it was happening in real time and how my subconscious is like being so helpful and like helping me kind of parse through these things that happened so long ago that I've kind of blocked out of my head um but I think I kind of feel this sense of like okay you're ready now to work through these things and like we're gonna kind of give you these little like guides of how to navigate it wow yeah that gave me chills (laughs) um do you feel like it's like when you feel like you can settle you feel settled down in your surroundings and your physical surroundings that's when these things come up it's like a way of survival is you know not bringing these things up when you are trying to survive and then when you're finally in a place of like you know I feel like at peace where I am then these things start coming to the surface yes and no I think for me Part of it was feeling kind of just grounded in myself and the Mm -hmm. older I get just being more okay with myself. Another part of it is like the financial. I still feel like I'm in like ups and downs financially, but I think in 2020 I was able to gain some stability that did allow me to go into some things. But honestly, I think that like, a lot of what catalyzed this was like just not being able to hold it in any longer yeah. and that it was something that whether I wanted to or not it was gonna come out mm-hmm. and pretty soon on I realized that like I had to come up with a game plan or a routine or some kind of plan of action yeah. not to sound like super corporate in my like standard operating procedure for <laughs> how to address trauma but I think that um, I realized that I didn't want to continue randomly like being triggered by something or having invasive thoughts or really for me it was as I was ending my fellowship at Abrahamic House realizing that um, I was having this very natural break in my, my career and my flow of life and that it just felt like it would serve me so much if I paused and just addressed these things before pivoting to my next job. Mm. So I think that like utilizing the natural break in my life and my flow and my schedule, um, which is a practice that I've definitely learned from my cycle, 
and just being more in touch with my menstrual cycle and learning about what all the different phases mean and really reflecting on how our bodies are designed with four seasons and each season brings different lessons and how incredibly powerful it is to lean into those lessons instead Mm -hmm. of resist them or resent them um and so when a time of natural rest comes up just seizing the moment yeah you know just being in in tune with yourself and your thoughts and your actual body is so important and it's so important in healing too you know it's it's really admirable to be able to listen to those voices and and it's so easy to be distracted and to ignore when you do need to rest or when you do need to to heal you know and and take steps of action to actually heal because that's what it is it's like all right I have to start taking some steps I have to start implementing this into my day-to-day routine Mm -hmm. so that this starts to come out elsewise it it really does affect your physical health it affects your body it affects your brain and so we're just we're just trying to be healthy yeah trying to be healthy humans and and that requires some work yeah um you were talking about you know some of your different career breaks and shifts and what do you think has been your career journey so far and was there anything that catalyzed these these huge shifts in in your journey yeah um well I've been working as a freelance model since I was 14 and so that was something that yeah I started right before I got into high school and then very slowly I think for me my modeling journey it took a long time for me to start getting regular work and build up clients and when I was in high school I was doing a lot of the reaching out to local designers and vintage collectors and boutiques in Nashville where I'm from and um I was and then I went to college and my priority was always school but I um, was able to sign with an agent pretty close to where I was in school and do a couple of jobs there but never really um never really was satisfied with how much I was working. And then about a year before I finished college, I got signed with like a very big agency. And I felt so good about myself. I was like, once I graduate, I'm going to model full time. I have this huge agency behind me. Nothing can stop me. Um, And then also at the same time when I was in college, I, I just learned so much about like, labor and the economy and capitalism and like value and I studied art in school and art making but also like the art market and the art economy and how colonialism impacts the way that people especially indigenous people and other people of color make things to sell um, and are kind of cornered into this position where like our culture has to be commodified in order for us to survive. And I was also, um, I was also studying the prison system, um, which really I think having both of those things at the same time just made me so, um, it just gave me like a very unique perspective on labor like reading about these pieces of art that are selling for tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars and then also like meeting people who are locked up that get paid 215 an hour mm-hmm. and just really seeing the broadest range of like potential in America for the way that labor is valued depending on who you are and what standards that you're held to And um, I think that that really affected the way that I, um, it really affected the way that I started seeing my modeling career. So I moved to Chicago after I graduated from college and I was with this agency, but I just wasn't really getting any work and the agency was going through a lot of turmoil and turnover and I, um, 
was able to get out of my contract with them, but then I went into um I got into contract with another agency that was a lot smaller. Um but that relationship ended up being not good for me mm-hmm. either. And so I think and that one kind of ended in a little bit more of a dramatic way and I think that the way that that ended it was so um it was so tied to like all this work that I had done putting in a to building a relationship with that agent and by the end of it I really didn't feel seen, I didn't feel heard, I didn't feel respected, I didn't feel like the same grace that I had given them was returned given to me. And so um that relationship ended right around the same time that I decided to move to LA full time. I've been back and forth for a while. And that was kind of when I the first incarnation of me deciding to take a break from modeling and just get um a 9 to 5 job. That's when I started working at Heyday. Um I had a really hard time finding that's when like when I had a really hard time finding a job. I remember. But it was because I had just been modeling and I just didn't know how to get yeah. jobs. <laughs> like because yeah. I just knew how to get modeling jobs. Maya hustled. <laughs> and then she found Heyday and then she got me a job at Heyday. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Skincare company. It's so funny. <laughs> but I really think that um, just having so many different relationships with like, well, I'm a freelancer, but I have an agent and like they kind of act like my boss, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, just having to learn all these different dynamics and just kind of growing up and becoming older and learning about the way that women's work is valued or isn't valued I think just over time I've become so much more protective over myself and my body and my image. Modeling is is so like it's such a unique practice because it's you, like it's your body. Um and I think that I've grown to become a lot pickier about who I share my body with. Mm. And before I was in a position where I felt like I had to take any and every job that came my way, no matter how much it paid or no matter what the company stood for or didn't stand for. And so I think being able to like take a step out of these relationships and um, decide to kind of stop cold turkey, even though I never really like, (laughs) I didn't really fully stop, but I think once I made that decision, the jobs that did come my way, I stopped putting myself out there. Like I stopped reaching out to people. I stopped telling photographers that I was in town and all that stuff. But then these jobs came my way and like the companies are so sweet and like just the nature of all the jobs that came my way shifted so much once I shifted my mentality and once I completely detached from modeling That's i remember crazy. telling so many people that i'm quitting forever yeah, i remember it. yeah when we first met you said that i told so many people and i remember i was on the phone with one of my friends like really in the thick of it she's a musician and i called her and i was like kind of explaining my situation with my agent and i was just asking her for advice and i was just like i'm done like i really don't think i can do this anymore and she just kind of paused and she was just like I don't think I don't think it's totally over. Like I I think it's going to change, but I think this is like it's what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do and it's just going to look different in the future. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that because she totally called it for exactly what it yeah. was, but I was so ready to walk away to never do a shoot ever again. And that's when I started getting my dream jobs and the jobs that I wanted that paid what I wanted and what I needed more than I expected to be Mm -hmm. getting and working for companies that are owned by people that I know and respect that have practices that are commendable and um I work so much less than I did um before I decided to quit and um but I've made more money since then. Wow. Like, <laughs> I decided to quote-unquote quit modeling. Mm, it was at the end of 2019, and 2020 was my biggest year That's as crazy. far as the money that I made modeling. And it's because I 
didn't take a job if the rate didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And I think that especially in the modeling industry, there's this mentality or this narrative that literally anyone from photographers to models to agents to clients will tell you that you need to be always updating your Instagram. Your Instagram is your portfolio. You need to have this like really curated social media presence and I just remember having agents go in on my Instagram and just telling me like how my hair looks or how my body looks and all these pictures but it was around that same time when I took a huge step away from Instagram and specifically posting my modeling work there Mm -hmm. and I just started using it as a more personal page and just posting what I wanted to and I again I got like the quality of the work that I was getting was so much better yeah and now like I really I describe my modeling kind of job as it's like if you need to know you know and I get enough work through my friends to where I feel really content with my relationship with it and I feel like my body image is so much better and I'm so much less desperate for work and yeah I think that deciding to quit honestly was like one of the best things I could have ever done for myself because I've come back with such fresher eyes and I just feel so much more clear about Mm. what I want out of this job and what I'm not going to take out of this job and what I'm not going to accept and if someone does something or says something inappropriate I'm not afraid to speak up like I used to be I'm not afraid of having reputation of being hard to work with because I know that I'm not mm-hmm. you know I'm not afraid of um, calling out hairstylists or makeup artists or clients that are disrespecting my time because I know the value of my time and my body and if other people don't it doesn't really surprise me because yeah. I'm a black woman and most people don't know the value of black women. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And I also just hear that, you know, you let go of that, you know, constant urgency to, to have this work and you were like, you let go of the desperation and you, you just stopped resisting too. And I think that that's really when things start working out for you and and things just start coming your way and I love seeing that with for my friends like I love seeing that happen you were there the whole time <laughs> it was honestly I just remember there was this one point Maya where you just like reached the other side and I was like Maya you fucking did it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know the struggle is real and it it definitely builds character and it, it teaches you your value which is you know, priceless, but also it sucked, and I know it sucks, and you've really inspired me to to say no to things that just are not good for me, are not good for the environment, um, is not good for my soul, um, and, you know, and, like, I'm not afraid to ask for what I feel like I'm worth, and I think that lots of people have a problem with that, is, like, their worth and their value and I mean if you have any more advice on how how to overcome that fear or that fear of seeming greedy or um, like you're asking for too much or maybe you're not even that much worth it like how does one even overcome those negative thoughts yeah that's a really good question I think getting out of this mentality that you need to say yes to everything that comes your way is was really helpful for me and I think as a young artist a lot of people are like telling you to just say yes to everything and get as absolute much experience as you possibly can and no job is too little and like all of these things that I think in the right context are absolutely so true and you shouldn't be you shouldn't stick your nose up at certain things but at the same time I think that when something right off the bat feels exploitative, just really trusting your gut and saying no and really believing yourself when 
when you say no, I think a lot of the times we can say no, but we don't really trust that that's a valid response because you might be financially backed into a corner or it might seem like an incredible opportunity to work with a brand or a person or or get exposure. Um, and I know it's kind of like, oh, exposure. But for some people, like, that's also like a really valid reason to take a job. But I think if your gut reaction is something feels off, then to really listen to that. Um, and for me, I think that you have to have a rate. Like you have to come up with on your own your rate. And I don't mean like write it down on a piece of paper and don't show anyone. Like probably my advice would be to do the opposite and like talk to absolutely as many people as you can that are working in or adjacent to the field that you're in. So as a model, not being afraid to ask other models what they're getting paid for the same set that you're on. I know I've been on jobs where I have literally been paid, I'm not exaggerating, 10 times the amount of what other models are getting paid. Wow. Yeah. And I think that having those conversations and just asking, like, what are you getting paid for this? It really helps you put into the context of, like, what is available. Mm -hmm. What There's so much money that's available, but some people aren't asking for it. Some people don't think they deserve it. Some people have other people that are advocating for them. And I think that the best way to position yourself kind of above all of the mess that is wage inequity is asking so many people, as many people as you can, how much they're charging. If you're a photographer, look on as many photographers' websites as you can, ask them for their price lists, look at the quality of their work, be honest with yourself and compare it to the quality of your work ask somebody else to do a blind test, really treat it as market research. Um, I think also talking to people that are in adjacent jobs. So if you have friends, if you're a photographer and you have friends that might want to hire a photographer, looking at what people's budgets are so that you have a realistic idea of what money is available. And I think that once you've done all of this research, coming back to the table and also looking at how much is your rent, how much are your bills, how much is Adobe monthly, how much are your tools, how much is your equipment, and coming up with your monthly costs and then weighing all of these things against each other to create a day rate. I'm a really big fan of the day rate model I think that once you have a day rate, you can go off of that if someone wants to book you for one hour or two hours. Maybe you have a three hour minimum where even if the job is 60 minutes, this person has to pay you for three hours to make it worth your time. Or another thing that I learned from Call Your Girlfriend was one of the hosts was saying that she doesn't take a job unless it pays her rent. And so that means her minimum rate is whatever number her rent is Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a good model to go off of um, depending on what city you live in and it's just like it's kind of a no mess way to be like hey look this is this is the cost and it's not some arbitrary number it's actually a number that there's a lot of thought that goes into and developing I think something that I have noticed in a lot of my friends is that even after doing all that work, they're still undervaluing themselves. And so a lot of the time I'll tell my friends to take the number that they think their rate should be and multiply it by at least 1.5 and then you might have like a fair rate. Um, I think if you're a woman, you need to ask a man who's in your same job what they're getting paid. Like that's a Mm non-negotiable. You need to ask men what they're getting paid because they're probably getting paid more than you. So definitely. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. I think your rate should be increasing. You need to figure out, is it going to go up every year? Is it going to go up every six months? Is it going to go up when I buy a new camera? And when someone hires me to book a job, I'm going to charge them an equipment fee for the rental because they're technically renting out this camera that I just blew a bag on. Like, Mm. There's all these different things that go into your rate and your expertise how long have you been doing this 
I don't know, I feel like every year that you've been doing something, maybe you can add $50 to an hour, $100 to an hour, because if you've been doing a job for 10 years, that's 10 years of expertise that someone who just started 12 months ago doesn't have. Yeah. So I think that just really being honest with yourself, it's such a gift. And there's this quote in the Baha'i writings that says that truthfulness is the foundation of every other virtue. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, I love thinking about that in terms of my work, having integrity, having value, like none of those things can really exist unless I'm being honest with myself about what really is my work and what am I offering. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that if you've done all of this research and all of this reflection about what your rate is, then you're completely equipped to handle a client that is really shocked by a number that you send them. You can say, well, it's because of X, Y, and Z. And then they'll either say, okay, or they won't pay you, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that being really firm in your yes I think like in consent culture, we talk about this enthusiastic yes. And I think that we should be feeling enthusiastic about our work as well. And really doing as much as you can to set yourself up so that when you say yes, you know in every part of you that this is what you want. And you're not second guessing the rate that they sent you or wondering if you should have negotiated differently or asking what other people are getting paid yeah I think even when someone comes to you for a job and maybe if I'm a model and they're hiring other models can be like what are the other models getting paid Mm -hmm. and just really encouraging that financial transparency in other people too I think there's nothing wrong that can happen when we're all more honest about who's getting paid what I wish that financial transparency was was more accepted globally, it, and especially in our cultures, too. Um, my parents, for example, are all about, like, nazar, and just not wanting to get nazared, or not wanting me to get nazared, so they're always like, tell no one anything, you know, because there's also that idea that, like, you know, you're scared people will start taking advantage of you or you're scared that, like, someone will jinx you. And so I think those fears are also very valid and, like, things to think about. But along with, like, looking out for yourself and trusting yourself and being like, okay, well, I just want to make sure everything is is fair. And I'm getting paid an amount where I feel like I can live comfortably and, like, it is the amount that respects, like the amount of time and work I've put into this craft or this um, career. Yeah, totally. And I think that even with being afraid of other people's reaction to what you're getting paid, yeah, I think that while that can have very real impacts in your life, I think that's totally their problem. Yeah. And it's not it shouldn't be your concern. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be your primary concern. I think, yeah, I think that should come secondary to how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about my child self too. And it's funny when you were talking about it earlier and even before you said the number 17, I just kept thinking of the number seven Mm -hmm. um, because that is like, an age where like <laughs> I'm like tearing up. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh no, we it's so weird. <laughs> all right, I've just been emotional. I was like crying yeah, all night last it's night so too. Good. But <laughs> it's okay. Safe space. Yeah. Um. So going back to you know your child self and how there are certain things that you're doing for your child self, like meditating and and praying for her and loving her. You know, there's there's so much compassion for our younger selves because thinking back, it's like, am I who, who I am right now would like my child self be super stoked about that? Like really excited that, 
you know, this is how life would turn out. Sometimes when I reflect, I'm always thinking about my seven-year-old self and mm -hmm. like she had like these really big ideas of like what being an adult would be like and and she went she went through a lot as well, but also it's just like I'm wondering now if there are things that I can be doing to like continue to heal her. And I think that one thing that has helped and it's it's something I saw on TikTok. Um but it's like this girl was talking about her child self and she was like every morning I ask myself what's something I can do um, that will bring me joy what's something that I can do that will make me feel young and like happy mm -hmm. and something I can do that will honor that spirit and so I've been thinking about that a lot and I am trying to incorporate those things in my daily life too mm -hmm. um, but I'm wondering if there are little things that maybe you're doing as well that that honors that child self and mm. and helps her heal and flourish. Yeah. Um, so definitely like I've had my phone background. Oh my god. <laughs> for Maya. probably like four years. Is <laughs> me as like maybe like a two or three year old. And I just, like, literally, every time I see her, I'm just like, you... She is so cute. I want to make her my phone background. <laughs> so I have that. I think, similarly, as you were saying, just as a reminder to think about where I've been and where mm. I am. Um, I also have a photo of myself. Um, it's, like, one of the most only child things that I have. It's, like this little radio like analog radio that's in the shape of a tv and like in the tv screen is a photo of me when mm -hmm. i was a kid and um it's like at my parents house and i'm outside in the yard and i'm like sitting over some hay there's like mm -hmm. hay on the ground um i'm like from the country so <laughs> there's like hay on the ground um and i was helping my dad i think like do something with the grass and um yeah, I have kept this little radio. I don't even have batteries in it, but I just keep it for the picture. And it's just something that I've always kind of had like in my room or like I've, everywhere I've moved, I've kind of taken it with me. Mm. And um, I think just having that visual reminder just like brings so much light to my day. And I'm just like so delighted to see my younger self yeah and then i'm I'm kind of like, oh, like that's B, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think that that that's one thing that I do um for myself and I guess for my inner child that um that has really brought me joy in a really kind of small, easy way mm -hmm. um and I think another thing, like, when I, when things from my childhood come up that aren't so delightful, um, is practicing forgiveness. And I think, like, definitely with my parents, especially since I was only child, I feel like the oldest girl is always going to relate. But, like, yeah, just kind of recognizing that people just have kids and there's no guidebook on how to have kids and actually there are a lot of guidebooks on how to have kids but there's no guidebook on how to like have Maya June as your kid mm -hmm. and yeah. you know the very like specific things that we all are and all, all of our nuances and complexities and intersections and both of my parents were raised in completely different worlds from each other and both of those worlds were radically different than the ones that they raised me in and so just having grace and compassion and forgiveness for things that they did along the way that now when I look back I'm not so stoked on mm -hmm. <laughs> um I think has been really really helpful for me What is a song that you've been loving lately? I have been listening to the new Hiatus Coyote song, mm -hmm. which is called Get Sun. I'm a really big fan of Hiatus Coyote and the lead singer Napalm. Mm -hmm. And um, I was 
exhilarated when I heard that they were putting out a new song. I think it's been like a couple of years since they have put out any music and I have been really into Get Sun. Well, I'm excited to listen to that song, Maya. Um, it will be on the Spotify playlist, the Just Warm Spaces playlist. Um, I've been listening to the song Back to the Middle by Deer Hunter off of their album Monomania. And um, I think I have been in that mind state of like my child, younger self a lot. And this album really reflects me as a teenager where I would run off to concerts and with my best friend at the time and we would catch these shows in like the desert or like in Los Angeles my dad would drive me because he didn't want us to get on a bus <laughs> so he would just take us uh, which is really sweet and um, it's a really fond memory I have as a, as a young teen but this album I would listen to all the time as like an angsty high schooler and late like end of high school time era and it's one of my favorites so yeah that's my song <laughs> well Maya thank you so much for sitting down with me today this was Just Warm Spaces' very first in-person interview and, and conversation and so it's so special to have had this with you because Aww. you're one of my favorite human beings Yay. straight up and feeling is mutual <laughs> uh thank you for being here and for honoring yourself with everything you said and for just gracing all of all of this with with so much wisdom you have and so much light thank um, you for having me appreciate it. Of course. Um, thank you to Joshua Hill for the music played throughout the pod. Thank you to Zarlasht Zia for the cover art. And if you would like to follow Maya on Instagram, her Instagram is Maya like the people, June like the month. If you would like to message us with any questions, comments, anything you'd like to share, feel free to do so at spaceforusjournal at gmail.com. Have a great day or night, wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Bye.